You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Conversation with Steve, a special edition of the Boss Hollywood League podcast. Uh, you can find Steve's information, or Solly as I call in the uh, in the show notes. Enjoy. Hey there, welcome to the Steve Solomon Show. It's Monday, March twenty sixth, two thousand eighteen, and if you're confused as to why I didn't do a show this morning on Monday, as I've done every Monday morning for gosh knows how long, it's because I knew on Monday night. I was having a special guest come on in, and I was going to record this with him, and I'll post it tonight. So on a very special episode of the Steve Solomon Show today, I'm with Jeremiah Morell. Hi, Jeremiah. Hey, Solly. How are we doing, man? Good. So let's give some background to Jeremiah for the listeners who don't know who he is. A a longtime Zabe Show listener, I guess, back from the XM days, and... Uh, from a suburb of Indiana. Yep, Newcastle, Indiana, the far, far east side, halfway between Indianapolis and Dayton, Newcastle, Indiana. Newcastle. It's funny because I've been. I think Newcastle is like Springfield. There's not one in every state, but there's definitely a Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and there's a Newcastle, Delaware that I know of. There's Newcastle, Wyoming. Yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah, it's like Springfield, I guess. But uh, but that's pretty cool. So Jeremiah has been a fan of the show for a long time, and uh, a Zabe Facebook guy, which is where I saw him first, and also a guy into politics and, and running for office in his own area there in Indiana, like I am here in Montgomery County. So uh, a radio guy who does his own podcast, just like me. So a lot of similarities between us. And he's like, hey, I'm coming to t- town to D.C. Uh, end of March. How about we get together? I said, absolutely, because we, we exchanged emails on Facebook, and, and I see his posts and whatnot. I'm like, oh, this is a cool guy. Let me get to know him a little better. So I said, sure, come on by the studio. We'll, we'll record the podcast. So uh, I was talking to him before the show here, getting to know a little bit about him. You're here with uh, with Purdue University, right? For yep. a I'm here with the uh, Purdue University School of Ag. We come out here uh, once a year advocating for their, uh, their extension group. So that's the people that put together 4-H and all these different programs that are in every county in America. So out here uh, meeting with congressional uh, congressional delegations, just uh, trying to get our little piece of the government to eat. Cool. So so Jeremiah, uh, I, 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 le- I lean on him and, and many of our other listeners. When I decided to run for county council in Montgomery County, I had no practical experience on how to do anything politically. I, I, I kind of 
saw it from afar. Uh, you know, being in, in the D.C. area, we see politics nationally, of course, all the time. And anyone with CNN or Fox sees that all the time. But uh, I got more interested in, in local government. And, uh, you know, it started years ago when I used to do the public affairs show that we had here. And we had on uh, local council people, state senators, congressmen, uh, the mayor of D.C. We had all sorts of people on, and it got me interested in local government. And, and that's kind of the path I took. I, I, I was like, oh, wow, the Montgomery County Council does all this very, you know, incredible things for our county. They decide so much stuff about our daily lives. They have they have way more influence on us than, than, than you know, any senator or congressman do. Your, your local governments, your local House and, and Senate have, probably have more influence on you than the actual Senate or or, or Congress, nationally, don't you think? That's that's how I felt when I learned more about local government. Yeah, so they these guys are the ones. Number one, they're from your neighborhood; they're close to you. So you you know they're the ones that can raise your taxes the fastest. Yep. Uh, I'm running for uh, Henry County, Indiana's uh, County Council as well, just like you are. Right. Uh, and you know we, we're a community of about fifty thousand people. Uh, there's four seats in my in my race, so I've got uh, probably about seven thousand folks that are going to vote in my election this fall. That's pretty good. So it's uh you know it. Our county has issues like anybody else does, and you know we've we're dealing with uh, agricultural issues, uh, a, an economy that's changing as as Indianapolis continues to grow to the east. Uh, we're looking at having to share land between ag interests, business interests, houses, whether or not they're going to go in. Lots and lots of decisions to be made, and I'm sure you guys have similar uh, similar things here in Montgomery County. A lot. I mean, uh, you're you're way more connected and have been have been more politically involved than me because I just really got into this full force a year ago. Uh, you've run for office before, and you're running for office again. And uh, I I kind of just got into it and and really learned a lot about. I, not that I thought I knew everything, because I've born, raised, and lived in this county my entire life, and I know the neighborhoods. I know some about business and and transportation issues, education, uh, and and but I really didn't know a lot of the specific details. And uh, it's interesting because Montgomery County has a million people. Uh, it's the the biggest suburb of D.C. Basically, we have uh, several. Big cities here, over fifty thousand people. Silver Spring, here where we are in Rockville, is a, is a is a very big suburb, and uh, it, it's interesting because we're we're a county that is yes a huge urban area around D.C., but it's an enormous county at least size wise for Maryland. Probably in Indiana, the counties area wise are, are bigger and much more less densely populated. But thirty miles north of us is still Montgomery County. We have Damascus and Clarksburg, and we have this huge thousands acres ag reserve that's rural area. So even here in Montgomery County, we have uh, a fair amount of farming, and uh, sadly, the, the the amount of farmers up county compared to the huge dense population down county doesn't give them a lot of voice. Uh, why? But the, the, of course, they have their own state senators and state delegates that advocate for them, and. And uh, probably a lot of people don't know. I, I didn't even know until a couple of years ago that, you know, here in, and we, we're in District 19 of Maryland and we have our state senator and three House uh, representatives. And, and uh, I kind of I thought about running for one of those as well for uh, for 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 state delegate. And uh, I saw it's I don't know how it works in other states, but uh, it sure does vary like the as does for the county council, the time commitment and salaries 
it, it astonished me that some that some states pay their state senators ten thousand dollars a year, and it's still it's a part time job, and they're in session a few months a year and stuff like that. Here in Maryland, they pay fifty thousand dollars a year for state uh, delegates, and they're they're in session for four for three months, and they get. Basically nine months off. It's quite a quite a deal. I, I guess it varies uh, in, in yeah, Indiana compared it, to here. Indiana, our general assemblies. We have a state house uh, that has a state senate and a state uh, a group of state representatives. So you got a hundred representatives and fifty senators. Uh, those guys, they're in, they have two sessions: uh, a short session and a long session. Uh, on average, they're going to make about twenty five to thirty thousand dollars a year, and it's a part time citizen legislature. So they're expected to have some sort of other job, or they're a farmer, or they're an attorney, or a teacher, uh, or they're retired. Right. It's, uh, I made a run for that for that race in 2012, yeah. uh, and I, I ran as a libertarian. So I, everything I do is is with the handicap of being a libertarian. Right. We haven't uh, mentioned that yet. Yeah. That uh, that that for those who don't even know, uh, libertarian, of course, is not one of the two major parties, and and is difficult to to break in, not only nationally but probably locally as well. Because are you on the ballot, or do you have to? Only run in the general. How that's, does it work? That's a good question. Uh, we do not have a taxpayer-funded primary as the Libertarian Party in Indiana. Uh, we have automatic ballot access because we have been an established political party, and we have at least 2% of the Secretary of State vote in Indiana every year, every okay. every four years. So that assures that we are automatically on the ballot. We have a convention instead of a primary. Uh, so I've, I won our convention, uh, and uh, that was actually last weekend when I announced cool. my candidacy. Uh, and so I will be on the November general election uh, ballot in a three-way race with a Democrat, Republican, and myself. Very cool. Because uh, I considered running – honestly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a centrist on a lot of things, a moderate. An, an, I'm a registered Democrat, have been my whole life. But my views are independent would be more more – suited i guess I, I i skew both ways on certain issues but you no know, no one has ever won as an independent or anything but a democrat in this county in any race all of our nine out of nine council members are democrats all three uh, house uh, delegates are democrats the state senator has been a democrat and they have been for Dozens of years, so I was like, you know what, I, I better run as a Democrat, and maybe I'm the, the 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 most centrist Democrat running, which I probably am, compared to a lot of people who are very progressive, socialist almost, who are running. So I thought, why not? It's really my only my only chance of winning, and because we don't have anything but that. Because I, I was told that. Uh, there's there's someone from the Green Party. I don't know if there's anyone any libertarians attempting to run, but they they need they need uh, signatures basically to get on the ballot at least here in the county council race. And that's what happens when you don't have ballot access. You have to spend it's the time and effort that you're spending to try to win the primary. You're just going to fight through, and the money you're going to spend to uh, to just simply get on the ballot. Luckily, because we do have that ballot access, I only need two signatures, my county chairman and my county secretary, and that's it. Very cool, because uh, I, I was told I think you need 10,000 signatures to get on the ballot here as an independent. And, he, and even then, uh, in the general, people vote so along party lines, you, you don't really have a chance of winning. Literally, it was 160,000 people voted uh, in, the, in the 2014 general for the for the Democrats in the county council at large race. And, and, and I, I know my limitations as a, as a note, you know, my notoriety is limited in radio here locally and nationally in terms of people who know who I am, but 
not not enough to go out and vote for me. I'd say if like if Zabe ran for office, uh, he has much more notoriety or someone like Tony Kornheiser or somebody with a huge name in radio in town would probably have a pretty easy time of of getting elected. But I, I thought maybe I have enough notoriety and with the push on radio from the guys here and some other media connections that I have. Maybe it'll be enough, you know, and I still have no idea. It's it's tough to gauge because, as I've told the guys before, uh, there's there were, their term limits were in, uh, were voted in in 2016 here in Montgomery County, and until then, council members could serve forever if they wanted, and and many have, uh, and, and and so our county executive is term limited out, and four of our nine council members are term limited out. Actually, the, the council members are all running for county executive now. So, so you're, you're looking at a completely clean slate, wide open. And you, the, the thing that struck me about your race is you're one of 40 people running for four spots. Yes. There's, there's 33 Democrats and four Republicans uh, who are, are running. So 30, 37 are, are running for four spots. And and four Republicans are running. Those four will get the They'll win their primary. They'll be there in the fall. They'll so be you've, there, got, you've right. got to get out of this scrum. Right. Basically, if you win your primary in Montgomery County, you're you're set for uh, for for winning the the general because a lot of people run as Republicans, but uh, actually the, the same guy has run for for council Republican and won the Republican nomination four straight times and has lost badly in the general. Four straight times, but I, I applaud his effort to to try to make a difference that way. Uh, and he's very active locally, politically. This guy Robert Dyer, he, he he writes, he covers everything politically, but he's Republican and he wants to be elected and has a lot of good ideas and and has challenged a lot of the things the council has done. And you you need the uh, challenge of the other party or someone outside of your party to keep balance, or otherwise you have one view pushing their view on the entire county. And yes, we are two-thirds Democrats here in Montgomery County, but a third who are not and, and don't always agree with the, the, the ways of the council. And, 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 and the council has such power and sway, and uh, we can get more into this, but the, the, they did. One of the things I didn't really know about was how do you raise money? When you're, once you're a candidate, what, what do you do to, to get money for these elections? Because I was like, well, I'll just run. I'll, I'll, I'll bookmark a couple thousand bucks of my own money. Maybe gets a little bit of money from friends and family and a couple thousand more and, and just use that to, to run. And then I saw that other candidates have tens of thousands of dollars, if not six figure, because it's all public knowledge information of what you spend and you have to submit reports and all that there's several candidates with six-figure accounts that they're that are spending money, and and how how can I compete with that? Because they're buying radio and TV and print ads, and they're everywhere for county council, right? Yeah, for county council. This and 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 like every we have a few uh, four or five websites that are very dedicated to local politics, and every one of those has the ads of the other county council members right there on top banners and stuff like that. So I can't compete financially with them and and so one of the things that i've i've found you know because we as running libertarian i ran the statewide campaign a guy named rex bell ran for governor of the state of indiana last time 
uh, we ran against uh, Mike Pence was our governor. So when yep. we got into this race, uh, we thought Mike Pence was going to be running for reelection. And then this thing oh, happened where okay. Pence dropped out because he was uh, Trump's sacrificial vice president. Right. And then the next thing you know, he actually won the won the vice presidency. <laughs> uh, so we were running against a guy named John Gregg, who had been the Indiana Speaker of House and uh, a guy named Eric Holcomb, who had been the basically a political operative for the previous governor and then chief of staff for Dan Coats, who was a senator. And then he he accidentally wound up becoming the lieutenant governor and then next thing you know turned around he was he was the guy that was running for governor so uh we ran against their big machines a couple couple million bucks a piece wow. uh, on twenty five thousand dollars statewide uh and that was that fueled our campaign from beginning to end so obviously we didn't have tv we had we had web web uh web videos we spent a lot of time and effort uh and sweat equity putting together some really good web videos cool. for, for that campaign and then we spent a lot of money on facebook marketing yeah. social media has tremendous ability to reach people and get folks passionate right uh so the facebook model was huge for us in in running that campaign a couple and, of people have told me that that facebook is is the way to go if you're running on a limited budget it can you can really target who you reach and you can it, they can work with you you can spend fifty dollars or five thousand if you want to on facebook ads and I've, you know, I've seen all the other candidates use it already, and and that's probably something I'm going to do as we get closer to the, to the to the election day. And you found that to be effective, cost effective. It was uh, cost effective, yeah. People. I mean, it, the thing that happens is you you build a community. You know, Facebook has moved into groups that just like the Zabe group that we're we're a part of. You get a community of people together, and if you have a, a message or a, a post that you need liked or shared. Uh, on behalf of your campaign or an issue you're passionate about, you can get some engagement from people. Uh, and it's also a great place to find volunteers, people that, you know, as you watch your community groups, I'm sure we have a thing called Citizens of Henry County, a Facebook group, about 6,000 people in it. Okay. Uh, and you can just watch people in the comments they make, and you can kind of identify people that might be a volunteer, might be willing to give some money towards your campaign. And it, it's a way to put together your grassroots network so that when you go out and you do your door knocking, I know you've got You've been hitting the doors here uh, in the run-up to June. You, it's a way to find people to to help your grassroots campaign. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's a that's that's true. And 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 sadly for my campaign, I got I got some the hindrances that I I have are we have the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area here where our listeners are because we're right on the border. I mean, we're five miles from D.C. and 10 miles from Virginia, where we are in Montgomery County. So 80% of our listeners are not in Montgomery County, uh, which is a hindrance to us. Uh, So I I got a ton of listeners in PG County, Arlington County, Howard County, D.C. It's it's difficult that way. And uh, Virginia is an open primary state. so anyone, regardless of political affiliation, can vote in any primary, and Maryland is not. So it's, it's, it's you, you have to be a registered Democrat to vote in your primary here? Yes. So uh, how is it in Indiana? In Indiana, we have, I guess what you would call, it's an open primary. Uh, nobody registers with a political party in the state at all. Oh, okay. Uh, so you go to, we'll have our primary in May, uh, and I... I don't typically vote in the primary. The last time I voted in a Republican primary, I think, was when John McCain ran for president. So it's been a while. A lot uh, of people don't vote in primaries. It's, that's one of the main problems, too, is, is the voter turnout yeah. is so little. It's uh, it's almost a federal – an Indiana crime. If you vote for – say <laughs> say you pull a Democrat ballot because you're, you, know, you want to play Operation Chaos or whatever right. it is. You are basically committing in Indiana in, – you, only you could prosecute yourself for this, so it's a silly rule. But you're saying that I plan on voting for the majority of the Democrats in the fall election. Of course, you could change your mind. You could – you know, there could not be a Democrat you like. Anything right. could happen. But generally, you you don't 
belong to a party, it's a hope in primary, and you just say, hey, I want a Democrat ballot or a Republican ballot. Huh, interesting. I, I, I wish it was that way here, too, but sadly, it, it's not. Uh, it's, it's only registered Democrats can vote in the primary. And, uh, I mean, there are 400,000 registered Democrats in Montgomery County and I think 150,000 Republicans. So the other thing you talked about was fundraising. One of the in our campaign training, we we tell people that your your job is either talking to voters or raising money so that you can talk to voters. Right. So you take your cell phone out and you look at you almost like turn into Amway rep. You figure out everybody that's in your phone and you figure out how much you can ask them for money for. <laughs> and you have to be brave. And as a candidate who's run a couple of times, you never in the beginning you don't feel like you, you know you feel very uncomfortable. Like yeah. Calling somebody up and saying, "Hey, I need a hundred dollars." Yeah, that's the thing because like. Honestly, I've never given to a campaign. Um, I give some to charity. Uh, I, I mean, I give to like Dog Rescue, um, MS Foundation, you know, a little bit to charity, That I, things that I feel strongly about. I've never given to a campaign because I've never felt so strongly about one person. I've, I've never known anyone who's run. I, I guess if, if, my, if my friend or family member or someone here at the station was really running and they were not – you know, with lots of financial means, I might give them money, but I've never given, this is not something I do. So I feel odd about asking people for money for my campaign because with 37 people, 33 are, are, are just throwing money away and four will, but I, I you know, I, I sort of see it that way. I, I know a lot of people don't. And a lot of people are very uh, generous with contributions just on individual donor levels, let alone corporations or groups that are behind you. That's another thing. Uh, I don't know how, how prevalent it is in, in, in your race in Indiana, but here there are not not really PACs or special interests, but just every group you can imagine for every cause emails every candidate uh Candidate surveys or constituent exactly. surveys wanting so, to know about what, what issues you care exactly. about. Exactly. So so that they can either endorse candidates or contribute to their campaign to, of course, help them get elected. And, and you know, we, we, that that's understandable because, you know, if there are big PACs who have interests and, and this candidate is going to support their interests, of course, they want to support him and perhaps give him money. But it, it's every spectrum of uh, – Social and political beliefs. I mean, the 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 Democratic Socialists, you know, Bernie's party. They they endorse people. I I didn't even. <laughs> how, how are you doing on getting their endorsements? I didn't. Solid? I didn't even answer their survey because I'm like, what's the point? I I don't believe in a lot of things that they believe in, and so I don't think that was going to happen. But you know, there there were many unions who endorsed candidates. There's. FOP and, and the firefighter union, which I think I, I hopefully can get because I'm a big supporter of them and have interviewed with them and they still haven't decided yet. But um, a lot of it is also you could be, you know, I, I, I talked to the Sierra Club and I'm not much of an environmentalist, so I didn't think they were going to endorse me. But I could be the biggest green thumb environmentalist in the world. I don't think they would have endorsed me because they are endorsed the three candidates who are probably the the most likely to win. And I think a lot of groups endorse people not only based on do they push forward our ideology, 
but can they win? They want to be connected when 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 exactly. they're actually serving. You know, they don't want. To, oh, this was our guy, but he lost. So now we have no one in power. So I think that's a huge part that that I've talked to other candidates about. That they're like, oh yeah, you could be the greatest for the Sierra Club in the world, but if they don't think you're going to win, they're not going to waste their time endorsing you. I'm like, oh well, that's that sucks because it it's kind of like you know. A plus B equals C, but if you if they endorse me, I'll have a better chance of winning, and 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 I, I don't know how much the endorsements really help. They all yes, they all have their certain number of members, and they'll probably email their members, "Hey, we're voting for this guy," but are they are these people going to vote? Uh, do these people all, all live in this county? You know, it, it's stuff like that. So in our market, uh, yeah, the endorsements really haven't gone very far. You know, it's yeah. it's more of a personal, you know, personal relationship and, and getting some earned media. We've only got two. We've got a, a small town newspaper and then a really small town newspaper. Right. And then our podcast, the Boss Hog Liberty podcast, is is like the uh, the, the talk radio of the uh, of the community. Right. We haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, that's that's uh, Jeremiah does his podcast, the Boss Hog of Liberty, and it's. Got quite a following there in in Indiana. Uh, he's he's built it uh, very well in audio and and video and 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 it's it's a great way of not only publicizing yourself but other candidates, right? Yep, and, absolutely. So tell us a little about that and. and how you started that and, and what it's become. So myself and a fellow named Dakota Davis, uh, we're, I call myself the world's oldest millennial and him the world's youngest millennial. I'm 34 <laughs> and he's he was, he's 22 now. He's 21 when we started the thing. Uh, we started a, a year ago and we're on the We Are Libertarians Network. So there's a guy named Chris Spangle who, uh, who's tied in with the Bob and Tom show, if people are familiar with that, big national radio show out of Indianapolis. Uh, he has this pod- podcasting platform, We Are Libertarians. Uh, about a year ago, I had been a contributor to his his program, and I, you know, I'm 45 minutes east of the city. I said I want to try to start my own thing, so I stole a board from him and, and <laughs> got some equipment and some some information on how to start. Uh, and we just kind of put together our first podcast and developed a really nice local following, uh, and in some help from his network as well. There's we get listeners from all over the all over the country and the world, but the majority of our folks are are in East Central Indiana. Uh, and over time we, you know, we went from doing it back behind my house around poolside to, oh, we need to get a little studio and put a little more permanent setup. So we got some sound tiles and, oh, we want to do some video. So we got some, some fans that kicked in on, uh, on a GoFundMe and they, they've put together a budget for us to get some lights. And then the next thing you know, we've got HD video. So now we, we live stream every Thursday night on Boss Hog Liberty on the Facebook page. Got our uh, our YouTube channel, and then uh, we're available on BossHogLiberty dot com. So we've interviewed everybody from county councilors, county commissioners, state representatives, state senators, candidates for Congress. Uh, got a guy that was drafted by the MLB from our hometown. Got him Ben Smith. We had him on. We had Robin Miller, the uh, the racing uh, the racing guy from uh, NBC Sports Network, formerly the Indy Star. Just uh, Steve Horowitz, a uh, world class. Uh, Economist has been on. It was just incredible reach we've had from a from a spare bedroom studio in Newcastle, Indiana. That's very cool. I mean, that's that's one thing I learned was uh, when I started my podcast. I was like, well, how do I get people to listen or subscribe? You know, like, well, get people on who are uh, more famous than you and or who have at least one person who's going like, oh, I'm going to subscribe to that so I can listen to him. And exactly right. I put I put our friend Roy Wood on, who's a very successful comedian and boom after that he tweeted it out i got a few subscribers i put zabon he tweeted out that he's coming on boom i got a few subscribers to and 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 you know i knew that charging people would be a tougher way a tougher road than obviously doing it for 
for free, but I'm like, you know what? Uh, I, I want people who are, are you get the fan, really committed fans, fans. Right, and, and if you're they, paying something, you're going to come back and look at right, it. Right, right. Uh, and, and and they've been. I've, I've had a wonderful group of, of of supporters here. I mean, they've they've not only given me money to to listen to me, which is one thing that an amazing thing to ask because. So much radio is free, and uh, you know our show in the morning is free. Zabe's show is free, and and it's it's tough to ask to pay for something. You know, like like a lot of uh, newspaper sites now charge you. you. You get five free clicks a month, and then boom, they charge. Like the Washington Post does that online. They charge you. The Wall Street Journal does that. So it's, so I understand it's difficult, but but they've been so supportive. I mean, I've got a, you know dozens of wonderful subscribers who are. Are, are, are fans and 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 you know we have this community where we interact they they tweet me email me uh i i know most of them uh because they they constantly contact me it's great and they help me out when i when i printed my solly show t-shirts they bought them uh, we play fantasy sports with our our listeners only in leagues it's been great so it's it's great to build the community of of listeners i mean i know they all came from zabe or came from the morning show or whatever but that's how they found me because without those shows no one would know who i am at all so you you gotta build and and uh it's did did you have radio experience before this podcast or did you just decide hey it's something i want to do and i'm gonna do it i was a horse show announcer a volunteer 4-h horse show announcer that's that's the extent of my uh of my broadcasting experience that and the sulfur springs mud bog and maybe a goat show here and there (laughs) uh so a lot of livestock connections i really didn't have uh a history in broadcasting did a little bit of speech and debate in high school that kind of a thing but uh yeah the podcast is pretty much uh pretty much where i cut my teeth if you listen to episode 49 which we did last week compared to episode one We've come a long way. Yeah, that's good. That that uh, you can s- sort of self grow in this business, and it's something. When I decided growing up, hey, I love radio. It's a cool medium. I want to be the next Howard Stern. You know, how do I do that? And if you watched Howard Stern's movie, you saw him practicing as a child in his basement with the radio mic. You know, his dad was a radio engineer, and that's how he learned how to do it. And he himself was awful he would tell you in his first years in Detroit and then he was in DC in the early 80s and he learned how to do it better by doing it and, and you, you get reps by doing a podcast if people exactly. are listening and this is something they're into you know it's it's a hobby for me it's probably never going to be a full-time gig uh, I know that I'm a steel salesman during the day but once a week for nine, for 90 minutes we have uh, we are the uh, the political talk show of our area uh, and we get better every every week cool that's great and yeah you've built quite the following i've seen your facebook page you got a, a ton of likes that's fantastic you, and, and it's it's great that you can build something like that in a smaller community uh like like a, a, a fifty thousand person county like yours you know it's it's very cool that you can do that here it, it's 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 so competitive uh with just commercial radio people have so many options let alone satellite radio and 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 you know when I when I decided to start my podcast, I'm like, let everybody have a podcast. How are they gonna? Why are they gonna listen to mine? You know, everyone and his brother have started a podcast, and and there's sites like Podcast One that host famous people who start podcasts. So when when you're like uh, uh, Adam Carolla or something, and you are already a, a well known name because of the Man Show and because of your comedy, you can start a podcast and get boom a hundred thousand listeners your first episode. When you're a, a smaller personality like me, who's like the sidekick on a, a a radio, a local show, and a national show, 
you have no idea how many people might like you or listen to you. So uh, did you guys think initially starting, hey, who the heck's going to listen to us? How are we going to build our brand? You know? Yeah, in the beginning it was, you know, we were broadcasting for ourselves and you're kind of trying to figure out what your who your audience is going to be and you don't know. For us, we didn't know if we were going to be a national show. You know, it was basically a couple of friends sitting around having a conversation and then we realized that we we're just going to be, we're going to be light, we're going to have fun, we're going to talk about real issues, but we're never going to take ourselves too seriously. Uh, and honestly, listening to Zabe has been very influential to me cool. uh, in becoming a, a somewhat general variety show. You know, yeah. we'll have a guest on. Basically, the model is we have myself and Dakota Davis are the are the main hosts. We host every show. Uh, and then we've got a third seat that's a rotating cast member. Three or four different people have held that role. And then uh, and then we have a featured guest. And they've been anywhere from an entertainment person to a media person to a political person. And then it, hopefully that person has some sort of an audience right. so that just like when you have Zabon, they, you know, they get the message out and then right. they, a few of them stick and say, hey, you know what, I kind of like this boss hog liberty thing. And they stick with you. And uh, we've grown very gradually over time. It's uh, I joke about it on the show all the time, but we we are like I've said, we're a big ag community. I swear to God, when they when the farmers got out of the tractors, our our listeners dropped by about thirty percent. <laughs> and now that we're almost back to planting season, uh, we've seen the numbers start zipping back up. Uh, it, our our downloads legitimately track with the season, and wow. it's it's the guys that are cutting the grass that want to listen to a podcast. Yeah. It's the guys that are planting or harvesting uh, or or applying uh, applying fertilizer. Yeah. It's uh it, it's very uh, weather dependent. Right. That's interesting because. Uh... I mean, uh, uh, you said you've moved a few times. You grew up in, in upstate New York? Yep, or? very far. The uh, I grew up in Messina, New York, uh, okay. which is on the St. Lawrence Seaway, uh, three miles from the Canadian border, oh, up wow, by Cornwall, okay. Ontario, kind of between Ottawa and uh, and Montreal, and so where, way up there. And, and where'd you go on the way to uh, Indiana? Uh, for your, your dad yep, my, my dad was a GM guy, so uh, we, we were in Syracuse, New York. We were in Messina, New York. Uh, Muncie, Indiana, and then uh, he's he's now with uh, Allison Transmission on the west side of Indianapolis uh, at Speedway, uh, which is the connection sports. Obviously, this is a this is a sports broadcast or a sports station. Uh, the Indy cars have been just that's like the. The religion uh, of Indiana. Yeah, it, it, it's the religion of Indiana, especially in May. To me, it's like uh, it's almost a, a, a religious place to go to the uh, to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the world's greatest race course. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's. I've, the few Indiana people I've known, you know, have it in such high regard. It, it's it's you know high school basketball and uh, racing. That's what Indiana yep. sports. Uh, you got you got the Colts and the Pacers and all, but eh, yeah, the, well, everybody's got those. Yeah, my <laughs> right. town, Newcastle, Indiana. We've got what we call the largest and finest high school field house in the country. Uh, they hold just shy of ten thousand people for our high school basketball wow. arena. It's that's, the largest one in the world. Wow, that's remarkable. So, and the uh, the Newcastle Trojans made the semi-state, so they just they they got they uh, they lost uh, two weeks ago, but they were down. We have class basketball in Indiana. Finally, Hoosiers can't happen anymore because we have class basketball now. Yeah. But they were the uh, they were in the three A of four, and they they lost in the state semifinal a couple weeks ago. But oh, okay, yeah, they were, we've had that for, as far as I can remember the class stuff. Three, four, five, We're five fif- highest, I think. 15 to 20 years into class basketball in Indiana. That's like, uh, you know, if you want to light up a, a phone or get response, it's you ask about daylight saving time class basketball or people rolls in the Hall of Fame in Indiana. <laughs> so do they, do they, I forget what the rule is in Indiana. I know Arizona changed their daylight savings. We, we uh, we finally got it uh, back when Mitch Daniels was governor. He's the president of Purdue University by the now. Boy, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, back uh, about ten years ago, we finally started observing daylight saving time. 
Uh, unfortunately, Indiana's split, so if you're near uh, Chicago or uh, southwestern Indiana down by Evansville, you're in the central time zone. Right. And I live I live on D.C. time. Indianapolis into the east is, uh, is, okay, is, so is New York, D.C. So you're always on that time. Exactly, so yeah. Changing. We're always the same as you guys I, I always here. wondered, it's got to be awful to live or work near a time zone line, especially in states that are divided like that, because you, you're... I mean, you could work in one time zone and live in another time zone. It's got to be completely uh, distracting. I think you got to wear an old school watch, right? You can't look at so. your phone and be like, "Yeah, no, it's yeah. Uh, it's seven o'clock. Oh shit, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, no, it's gone back and forth." You're constantly confused, I guess. But uh, I never had to do. We have our East Coast time zone yeah. bias. It's the only one that matters, of course, to us because it's because seventy percent of the country is on East Coast time, population wise. So <laughs> I think uh, we don't. Uh, although I always thought it was cool because my. My, uh, my, some of my family's out in San Diego and, you know, you visit them, uh, by 10 a.m. football kickoff on Sunday. That's great. You I've, don't have to wait around and it's over by 10 p.m. or, 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 or by five nine, or six o'clock in yeah, the afternoon. Seven, you're good. 4 p.m. is the game's end for the, instead of seven and the night game that we have here at 8.30 is at 5.30 there. I'm like, this is great. I, I could stay up and watch games if I lived on, on the West Coast. I went out to uh, I went out to California uh, two years ago in April for the uh, Long Beach Grand Prix. The Indy cars uh, ran, ran out at Long Beach, and it was like – I was still still a single guy, and I said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna make this this jerkation and and flew out there. I felt like the most motivated guy in California <laughs> because I was three hours ahead of the world. Yeah, yeah. they're they're laid cool. back as it is. Uh, you know, you come at them, and you you know, if you normally get up at eight in the morning, you're getting up at five out there. You're just it's a it's a different world out there. Yeah. So now you you travel for, in your your job in sales, right? Yep. So uh, is it by car? Or are, you, are you flying a lot, or just always by car to drive? Uh, around? pretty much by car. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of lot of podcasts. My uh, my sales territory is it's a God. I'm a boring sales guy, but Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, and Ohio. So okay. I sell uh, fabricated rebar for bridges that uh, that are all over uh, all over the Midwest. So you're on the road most days of the week, or is it my uh, boss would like me to be as, yeah. as everything? You are you, uh, are you in the office? I'm in, in the Indian office Castle too. A fair amount too. Yeah, Muncie, Muncie, Indiana. I okay. uh, got the got a shop there, uh, and that's the that's where the sales office is. And okay. Try to try to get to the. How long have you been doing that? Ah, uh, man, I've been in, in uh, rebar for about 15 years. Wow, I've been on the okay. sales side for about five. Oh, okay, you gotta like, I guess, uh, not only driving but traveling because it's it's a it's. If if you're not into that, it's it's got to be a grind because uh, my brother worked in in sales in uh, for Dupont for many years, and he'd travel thirty five, forty weeks a year, and I mean it, it it wore him down. And once he had a kid, his wife was like, "That's it, no more. Get get it now for you're here because I need you here." So it's it's got to be a, a, a it, it's it's very. Our friend Kevin Sheehan, who works here locally, before he got back into sports radio, he 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 traveled. Fifty weeks a year for fifteen years. He was he never was home. Yeah, so luckily, it, luckily for me at least, it's it's day travel. So it's, yeah. you know, I can I can I can be in Dayton, Ohio, in an hour, or Columbus, Ohio, in two, and okay. get a couple meetings out, and be back home. And so not not too much out. overnight stay or anything no, like that. No, no, it's not uh, it's not that bad. Are you uh, a married man now? Uh, man, close. I'm engaged. Engaged. We are in the uh, we are in the planning strategy uh, sessions. Uh, July seventh, as long oh, as I don't screw up. Wonderful. So it's coming up quick. Look at that. Three the, less than three months. The huh? lovely. Sarah Potter, yes. Lucky woman, Sarah Potter. Good for her. Good for you guys. That's wonderful. So uh, you had a dog, too, you said? Uh, a couple dogs, A couple yeah. dogs. Got, All right. Uh, man, I, right after, this is the way it went, Solly. Uh, I had a dog. I bought my house four, uh, three or four years ago. Got a lab. He's perfect. He was three years old, perfectly trained, good to go. He's got a pool, in and out of the pool, full privileges. 
I got engaged, and like two weeks later, we got a puppy. Oh no! And she still lives. She still lives in uh, about an hour away. She's. Uh, we're gonna wait until uh, till we get married for her to move in, and and re- so I'm a single puppy dad. Okay. Five days a week with uh, <laughs> with with the with the newborn. Uh, so yeah, a little Australian shepherd named, uh, named Garth, Aww. but, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. I, yeah. I really enjoy really enjoy him. Yeah. I mean, I, I got the three dogs now and, and I've never had a puppy. I had, uh, just, uh, uh, my, my, I never really liked, not that I didn't like dogs. I just never had them. And my, my best friend and neighbor growing up had five Cocker Spaniels and I'd go over there and play as a kid and. The dogs were just everywhere, and it stunk. So that kind of, as a kid, turned me off a dog. So I never really, you know, I wasn't someone who pestered my parents for dogs like many kids do. Hey, can we have a dog? They're so cute. So they didn't have to worry about that. And and until I started dating a girl 15 years ago, and she had a, a, a little dog. And at first I was like, oh, the dog's fine. I'll get used to it. But, you know, we were together for many years, and eventually I – I was like, oh, this dog's great. I love this dog. Why did it ever not like dogs? And 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 even uh, when we broke up after many years, we split time. We we split custody. <laughs> split custody we of the pup. Split custody of the dog because you know it was an amicable kind of you know as amicable as it can be after seven years together. But uh, you know you know like this dog. Uh, you know I've known her from the time she was two to eight or ten now, eight or nine. And like she loves me, she's like, "All right, we'll we'll do a split custody of the dog." So it was pretty funny that uh, we did split custody for a couple of years. Uh, she actually met someone else, got uh, uh, married, and had a kid, and they had a little one bedroom. So like, do you want to keep the dog full time? Like, sure. So it really all went full circle in the last three years of the dog's life. I had her only on my own, and uh, that that turned me into a dog guy. I'm like, they're the best. They're the the best. And now I have three. Uh, three dogs and 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 just uh, oh, and that's that's something that's on your campaign platform. It's one of your top issues is. Is, is taking care of taking care of pets and animal is. rescue. It, it, it uh, you know I'm, I'm a big uh, dog rescue person. I, I got all our dogs from, from rescues. Um, I've, I now work with the rescue where I, I got the dogs from. I volunteer with them on weekends to get other dogs uh adopted and and it's 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 amazing to me how how it works i mean it's not really we, we do very well in montgomery county uh we don't have strays or our shelters aren't full of abandoned you know we we spay and neuter a lot so we do well here but other counties and, and other states don't do as well and then this is the first dog that this puppy Garth that we got is the very first one we've had that's come from a breeder. Okay. Everything else has always been either somebody's somebody who didn't have room anymore, they had too many, that you know, we with my parents I adopted a couple of dogs from my parents uh, uh out of the Greenville, Ohio shelter. So yeah, we've 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 de- generally supported the shelters uh yeah, this, and, this and, time Dakota and I my co-host we we both wound up the girls got involved. His his new wife and my my fiance and we, we next thing I knew we had we made an offer and they said yes. I didn't expect them to say yes, Solly, but yeah. they they did and uh, we each had a puppy. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. and, and they're, they're they're the best. I mean, I, it's it's fun every weekend we go and we get we find homes for these dogs and it's very fulfilling and rewarding. You know, I'm like, you know, what do I do? I I BS on the radio all week. Am I? Are we entertaining some people? Sure, but am I am I am I doing good in the world? And and that's kind of why I want to. I, I decided to run. You know, I'm like, it, it it was always something politics was was mystical to me, and I, you know, it's these people who I don't know and never meet are doing these things and making these laws and deciding our future and spending our money. 
maybe we need someone else doing it. Maybe uh, maybe need the regular guy. Maybe we need a regular guy who understands. I'm, I've I've been a I'm the son of two government workers. I'm, I'm I'm not rich. I'm not poor. I've grown up middle class my whole life. I'm still, despite what people might think, I, uh, you, you, you don't, uh, unless you're a, a big star, you, you don't make six figures in radio. It's difficult to uh, to get by. So I'm still a middle class guy. And then, and I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of issues I, I feel strongly about and, and that I don't think ever get addressed. And, and so have you had a chance to do like a, a ride along or anything with the police department uh, in your campaign, getting close to, to understand what they're going through, what they're dealing with? I haven't done a ride along. Uh, they talked about that and like uh, with the fire uh, department, because, yes, yeah, one of my platforms is I'm a big supporter of police, fire and rescue. I always have been. And and when I decided to run and 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 form my platform, uh, I, I thought of of just. Not 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 how to appeal to the most people, but what things I actually believe in. What you're passionate about. The strongest. And, and I've always been a supporter of police, fire, and rescue. Uh, I, I, I give to our local volunteer fire department. And we have, we have an amazing volunteer fire department here. We have 19 houses that have volunteers, uh, either full or part of the house, and, and, and just hundreds of volunteer firefighters who give their time and effort. And we have a t- hundreds of career firefighters who, 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 I mean, they're they're heroes. They they risk their lives for and and are committed to this thing. They have a, an incredible uh, desire to do this. They have an amazing bond between them, and and it bothers me that they're not compensated better. Uh, talk to hundreds of them, and and even even the lieutenants and captains. They work overtime and they have secondary jobs to supplement their income because we just don't pay them enough. And I said, you know what? If, if I'm on this council, we're going to take care of our police, fire, and rescue better because uh, you shouldn't have to work a second job when you're 16 years in and a captain. You know that's silly. I'm making more than a police, a, a fire captain. That's kind of silly. You know who doesn't? When he works overtime, he makes more. But uh, <laughs> it's it's they do they do a lot of overtime. I was surprised at how many have to do overtime or second jobs and i'm like that's not right you know uh and i looked at our budget and and honestly before i started doing this i i, I was like you got to be a lawyer or, or an account a tax accountant to, to understand the complexities of the legalese in these budgets and they do simplify it at least on the well, Montgomery county does a good job of of summaries and, and understanding. I'm like, how do the, you know, they must have a team of lawyers, all, all these councilmen to understand this stuff. It's so complex. And they do, they each have a, a staff uh, and they have, there's so much council staff who work for the council. It, 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 I, it's something I never even thought about, but hundreds of people work to on the council and the various departments in this County. We have 10,000 employees in Montgomery County who work for the County. 10,000 employees in County government. Yep. It's amazing. It's an enormous. That probably bothers. It's a, a, it's a machine. Bit. Yeah, <laughs> we have government machine. We have. Uh, yeah, in our county, you know, the county council. We've got seven county councilmen. Uh, they're barbers. They're you know they're 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 small business owners. They're they're attorneys. I don't think we have any attorneys, but you know they're they're salespeople. That that's generally where our folks come from, right. and they have. You know, they have an attorney that works for the county but isn't a full-time county employee, and right. you've got an auditor and a couple other people. But, uh, yeah, in comparison, obviously it's a it's a different scale. You know, yeah. it, your your county is 100 times larger in population than Henry County, Indiana. But, uh, 
Yeah, we, we definitely yeah. run a little leaner. It's interesting because uh, uh, my, my girlfriend's family, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but I've mentioned it a couple of times. She's, they're from Indiana or Indiana, Alabama. Just the same thing. Close enough. But uh, no, her, her parents were both born and raised in Alabama, and her dad's in the Navy, so they moved around a million times, and they finally ended up in D.C. and stayed here, and he retired here. But uh, her, her, her uncles and aunts are in Alabama, and it's they're farmers. They're chicken farmers. It's the, as rural as can possibly be. And uh, they're, they're, you know, they're in Barber County, Alabama, uh, with population, gosh, 15,000. It's very small. Uh, they're, they're, I went to the, the, the county courthouse to, with my Uncle Tommy once, to, and he's like, oh, yeah, let's go see uh, Bill. He's the, you know, the county council guy. And I'm like, oh, is that his job? He's like, no, 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 he's a farmer. And like, None of these people are full-time. It's, it's no one – the mayor is not full-time of their city because it's a very small rural area, and uh, they, they, they can't afford to pay a, a councilman full-time. And we have that here. We have a few, like, municipalities that are pseudo-independent and have their own county council and their own mayor – um, who are all part-time as well. We have a town, Kensington, that has their own mayor, their own council. Uh, we have it's, – it's odd. Rockville has their own city police that are sort of separate from the county police. So we do have a fair amount of people who are elected officials but also have regular day jobs as well. They, I mean, they, 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 they work a couple days a week on this. But our county council, uh, it, it, I'm not doing it for the money. I would probably do it if it was the same money as I made now, but they are paid extremely well. And so this this will be a full time job if you win. This is this is the end of Radio Solly. It's possible the, po- the podcast might survive. But the, not, the podcast not everything else. would survive. I don't know about the rest of it because I definitely can't keep the morning show because they do weekly morning meetings, and I I doubt my boss would. Yeah, I need every Tuesday <laughs> off for the next four years. Uh, I don't yeah. think we could do that. You know, it's our, a, our council will meet uh, once a month. Okay, it's a it's a it's a once a month for the actual meetings. Obviously, there's committee work and other things right. you attend and things you do. But uh, yeah, it's a once a month deal for uh, for our our race. Yeah, it's very it it's 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 very time consuming in terms of because in the last year I've gone to so many events to try to get out there and meet the. Despite being such a huge county, there's a few. Very influential people who have the ear of a lot of fairly powerful people and can sway voters. So, like, oh, you gotta, you gotta know this guy. You gotta know Alan. He, he'll, you know, you know him, and you're with him. You're good you, to go. You're good to go. And and like, I've, so I've gotten a little bit on the in the inner circle of Montgomery County politics, and it's a lot of the same people, and it's a very kind of niche community. I, I know all nine council members now. I've met them all. Uh, some very smart, brilliant uh, people who are uh, who are doing this, and it's a little intimidating. But I've met a couple who are kind of idiots, so I'm like, <laughs> I, I could do this. No, no, not that it's, they're idiots. It's but. all a matter of who shows up. You know, the politics. It's not. It, there's no such thing as political elite. It's it's all a matter of who shows up, who's involved, who's interested. Yeah. And the more you pay attention, the more you become an expert on it. Exactly. And 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 I I, I came to this as a novice, uh, admittedly, but uh, you know I. I not that I'm a, a genius or a smart guy, but I, I've seen how they run their meetings. I've, our, our our council meetings are on television. They have, uh, I don't know how you have it there, but we have a channel that's just it's owned by Montgomery County that shows nothing but uh, 
county council meetings and hearings and, and, and events and forums, and they air them just on this one channel on Montgomery County Cable. It's pretty cool. So I've, I've gone to some council meetings. I watch them at home on TV. And a, a lot of stuff, they don't know what's going on until they have a, 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 they have a panel of experts on every issue. You know, when they're doing something about uh, education, they bring in Dr. Smith, the head of the Board of Education, to explain to them about certain issues. So I'm like, they don't really know everything yet. You know, I, I don't feel so intimidated anymore that they're – that it's that, that it's something so far above my 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 expertise and ability. I'm like, I could do this. They're all just people. You can handle it. Yeah, you know, we're not. It's not rocket science or brain surgery here. It's it's discussion and 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 discourse about the best way to proceed and make our county as as efficient and good and, and as possible. I mean, we have we're very lucky here. Uh, it's it's Montgomery County. I think people want to live here because the schools are top-notch in the state of maryland we're one of the 10 wealthiest counties in the country we have i could tell you had roads paved of gold out there of course it is gold everywhere everyone's a millionaire all the one percenters have gathered here (laughs) no i mean we have we have some neighborhoods that are extreme we have extreme wealth here we have uh, potomac it's this neighborhood where a lot of millionaires live, and uh, we have Langley Park, which is perhaps the poorest neighborhood in the county. So, and there's the you know eighty percent of us who are middle class in between, something like that. So, it's a it's a very uh, interesting county, and and we have this an enormous budget. We have a five and a half billion dollar yearly operating budget, and we spend incredible amounts on certain things that I couldn't believe, and and and. You know, looking over the budget, at least summaries of how we spend. I'm like, what? A, wow, how do we waste this kind of money on things? And how do you guys? How do you guys get your uh, your tax revenue? Is it property taxes out here? You have crazy property taxes. We, and income we, taxes. What's the? We do. What's, yes. What generates the revenue? We we get state money, like every county does. But uh, property taxes here are an enormous part of the budget. It's, I think, over half of our operating budget is. Just from the property taxes, which they happened to raise two years ago. Thanks for that. Nine <laughs> percent raise two years ago in property taxes. Uh, the same year that the county council gave themselves a fifteen percent raise. So that upset a tremendous amount of people. Uh, they gave themselves a raise from a hundred and ten to a hundred and thirty thousand dollars almost. Uh, they make an incredible amount of money, and that's really what spurned the term limit talk uh we have we have this guy here robin ficker uh he's a lawyer uh he's he's always been politically active and he is kind of an agitator like all he he he, when there's a problem oh find ficker he'll 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 kind of cure it and he was the guy who was like you know what they they raised our property taxes they gave themselves a raise we got to put in term limits and get these council members out and amazingly he did it got enough votes or signatures to get on the ballot it got on the ballot 2016 so that's an that's i'll stop you there yeah. we, we we had a uh we 
we we've we've got these oh, stupid little controversies in our county. It was stupid stupid to somebody from the distance, but of course to my constituents they're a very big deal, and we care very much about what they're sure. worried about. Uh, all but, politics yes, is local, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but people want uh, people want direct democracy, and unless we're raising property taxes, we don't have referendums. So that was, you sparked my interest there in Indiana. The only time we have a referendum is if we want to raise taxes or if we're keeping a judge. Uh, otherwise, it's oh, this, all it's all through your county council, your county commissioners. They're the ones that make okay. those decisions. So, so, so no ballot referendum. No ballot referendum. So you okay. guys, if you get a bunch of signatures, you can say, hey, no Pretty more much. than four years in office and get your, get throw the bums out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how deep it goes with what you can get. But every – I mean, everyone who, who votes or is, a, or is a casual voter, you know, you're voting for your president, your senator, your governor, your congressman, and then – Maybe you'll know your county council people. Maybe you know your circuit court judges. But you won't really know. Every ballot has some sort of referendum uh, that I can remember. And they do a good job of explaining it to people who are reading it for the first time. This means this. and, and but, the, but I remember the push for the term limits became local news. And uh, it, it got a lot of attention because of the property tax raising. No one likes that. I mean, you know, even people who don't vote, which is – 80% of people in primaries, what, these sons of bitches are raised our property taxes? Get them out of here. And that was the mentality for a lot of people. And it passed with ease. 70-something percent voted for term limits. And I don't know. I, I've, I don't know how you feel about term limits in general. I, I'm kind of ambivalent on them. I, I think if you have someone like in Congress or in Senate who's doing a great job, why would you get them out? Uh, but if if they are so bought and sold that that it's impossible to get them out i can understand that and and i guess we don't have those he in 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 national i mean we have governors who have term limits it varies state by state but congress and senate you're there for life, there for life. yeah it I, I go back and forth yeah. i i you know I, it's probably safer to have term limits uh we we have them for governor of indiana and some some county offices uh, but or you know you could be you could serve for sixty years if you wanted to in the in the general assembly or right. on, a, on a county council. Uh, the guy I'm I'm hoping to replace he's he's retiring he's been serving since 1978. So, oh wow! So okay. the Jimmy Carter administration is, he's been there since then. Yeah, one of our our state uh, delegates is retiring. I think she's been there forty years. So she's and and she they're like oh is she going to retire? We want her seat, you know. And, and and a lot of people came out after she just decided just because there was no point in running against her if she decided to run. She would have gotten reelected pretty yeah, easily. The, so four years ago, I tossed my name on the ballot and just I didn't spend a nickel. Actually, I spent fifty bucks. I spent fifty bucks just <laughs> on on a web page, and he didn't spend anything. So I got spent. I outspent him fifty dollars to zero, uh, and uh, I got I think eighteen percent of the vote or something. There you go. Uh, so you know it was a it was a baseline, but yeah, uh, yeah it, straight. Uh, the, the reality is, voters have the choice every every election to to make a decision and and. Unfortunately, they're apathetic, yeah, and they don't, uh, you know, they don't really take an interest like they they probably should. And I'm guilty of that. I, I didn't vote. I haven't voted in every primary uh, ever because I just was not interested in doing it. And uh, honestly, it's it's a lot of people don't at least here because of the crowds. I mean, it's it, you're going to be standing in line. Last you know November 2016, you were standing in line because. I don't know how many millions of people voted in Maryland, but <laughs> a lot. Do you have any early voting at all? We or do. Or is it on election day only? We do have we have we have early voting uh, two weeks before until a week before for one week, because yeah, the primary is June twenty sixth. We do early voting June fourteen through twenty one, but it's only in eleven locations around the county. 
So, uh, I mean, it's a huge county. Yeah, you've got to go out of your way to get you there. Got, you, I think I, I don't think many people will do that unless they definitely want to vote and they won't be here that day because otherwise it's much more convenient to vote. I think we have 160 voting locations on Election Day, something like that. Every elementary and high school is is – is turned into a voting center. Yeah, we've we that very recently. I think last year was the uh, the 2016 election was the first time we've had it. Uh, but you could go to any polling place you wanted to and get a ballot. So you don't have to go oh, to your okay. home polling place now. You could go to anyone in in our in your county. That's a good and, idea. And vote for who you needed to vote for. <laughs> I, I so you don't have to go to that. your home precinct. Yeah, because because early voting, I can understand it. it you want to give people the opportunity to vote on a different day if somehow that day they're tied up or. Or working, or out of town, or something, but it, it it should also give you the opportunity to to ease the the lines on voting day, and, and hopefully that's what it does. But in primaries, that just doesn't exist because so many few people vote primaries. I think it's a probably across the board in the country, uh, it's that way, not just in our county. I mean, we had, uh, as I've said, like this race for county council four years ago, only six people ran for the four spots because the incumbents. Really, were they were very to likely to win again? Very likely to win, and they all did. And and the the vote total was like, and you vote for four out of six, up to four. So the the, the highest guy got forty something thousand. The, the the fourth place guy got thirty something thousand. So out of a county of a million people, uh, people are just not voting uh, in primaries. It's it's it's, and and they're trying to. to Always, there's always a rock the vote campaign somewhere, and, and sign up people for voting. But will we actually get them out? I don't know. I've always thought. Uh, I, I don't know how absentee ballot works in, in Indiana, but in Maryland they already started it. You can vote absentee, and, and you can vote. Anyone can do it at any time now, and for three months. No, oh, really? Yeah, we've got uh, basically thirty days of absentee vote voting. Okay. So in April, you have to be a registered voter by by the time uh, a day or two before the absentee ballot uh, starts. Okay. And then uh, you can take an absentee ballot. You can go to the county courthouse or apply for one. They mail it to you, and then it gets counted the the day of the election or the primary. Right. Yeah, they do that here too. But uh, yep. if they started it uh, just this week or last week, so they give you three months. So it's time to vote for Solly now. Exactly. You that's that's be what I'm telling people. I because I, I think, at least in my experience, it was the the apathy of ah, I'm not going to take off work or leave early or go home early to to go vote. Although my work was easy because I I have time in the middle of the day. But most nine to five people, I, I think, don't vote because of that reason. They're like ah, I'm not going after work. But with absentee. You, you go now, yeah. You, you get it. You get they they mail you or email you the ballot, or they they mail you the ballot. You they you fill it out, mail it back, or drop it off uh, at at the board of elections or maybe at a voting center. And it's pretty easy. I think. Hopefully, I I've tried to talk about that as much as I can. Whenever I talk about, you know, push my campaign, I'm like, you can vote from home. It's very easy. And and some people hopefully have picked up on that. I'm I'm not sure if they have or haven't, but. Uh, I think that's the way to go. I, I was like, I'll just vote that way too. <laughs> it's so easy. And, and uh, see, no, no, the social media guy in me says, no, Sully, you need to, you need to Facebook Live yourself voting the day, the day of the election. That's you make a big, true. you got to have a media guy, and you get out there and you say, I'm voting out here, and we're we're working the poll. You take the day off work, and I I would stand outside the poll from uh, for us it's six to six, six a.m. to six p.m. is when the polls are open. Are you allowed there. to uh, campaign outside a, a polling place during? You you can up to a certain point. There's a little yeah. cone, the the cone of uh, the, the the cone the, of uh, demarcation. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay. fifty feet from the polling place. I guess so. I guess I have noticed people doing that in the past. So I guess that's. Uh, I guess I'll stand outside my my home. 
That's uh, it. Polling place. You, and and um, you point to, you point to your house over there and you say, "I'm your neighbor. I'm I live neighbor, right there, yeah. and I care about what you care about." And and that's kind of been my my. I mean, we could we could talk campaign strategy a little. I was like, well, I, I live in a, a suburb of it's called Wheaton. And, you know, it, it's got a few thousand people. And on, on my initial campaign literature, I put, I'm from right here in Wheaton when I give them the, the, the card so that they I, – I, I use these generic ones for when I go anywhere else. But I was like, well, I might as well campaign in my home area because those votes count the same as the votes in, in Germantown 20 miles north of me. And I've never lived there or worked there, but I've lived and worked in Wheaton. So I, I always thought that's the best way to do it and tell people, oh, I live right down the street or something like that. And you can do that for a two-mile radius of your house, which has 5,000 people. So I've campaigned mostly there, and I've campaigned in other neighborhoods and knocked on doors. I mean, do you do that uh, when I, in your race too? When I ran for state representative in 2012, I think myself and my team, we got to about 8,000 doors. Wow. So we worked hard. We walked pretty much my – it was a, over a three-county area. Uh, so one one-hundredth of the people of Indiana were in our area. Wow. Uh, we we pretty much covered all of Rushville, Indiana, hometown of Tony Stewart, <laughs> and uh, about two-thirds of Newcastle, Indiana, and all of Hagerstown. So the big towns in each of the counties we got to. And I got about 27% of the vote against a guy that had been in office for 20 years as wow. a Republican. So we – you know. The shoe leather works. If yeah. you get out there and talk to people and see folks, it's exactly uh, it's, it, uh, it's very doable. You just have to you have to put the time and effort I mean, in and, and not be afraid to uh, get some help. It's tough because I I there's there's some people there's a couple people running who have literally quit their jobs to campaign and run full time, uh, or at least gone on sabbatical from their jobs. A couple people have, and I can't compete with that. I mean, they have uh, the resources to do it. They, they've either saved money or been given a lot of money to afford to be able to uh, campaign full time, and that's uh, that's a big investment. It is, and it, it's it gives them the ability to go to every event and to meet and to knock on doors every night or all weekend if they want. And and I'm trying to to use my time as wisely as I can because I, I I'm not. I don't want to – no one's crying for me, but I work a lot of hours uh, doing these two shows, and it's difficult to 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 get up every weekend and knock on hundreds of doors. I, I've done it a lot, and uh, I also need the weekends. There's, there's, in a county of this size, there's, uh, there's a political event every night somewhere um, where there's voters to reach, and – we have a county executive race. We have the county council. I'm running at large, but there's five districts where you could also run in uh, separately from the at large. We have our state senate race. We have our state delegates running. Uh, we have our, our we have not our congressman. He's running unopposed, but uh, the the we're in district eight here, congressional. But con, congressional district six is literally just ten miles north as the border. So they're running. I've gone to a bunch of events. With all to try to meet new people. And, 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 and that was the advice I got from someone. Go to every event you can that's not involved with other county council at large yep. candidates, obviously. You're just trying to build your network and get people to connect with you. And, yeah. and, and if you make a few a few connections with people, they're like, you know what? When you're looking at this county council race, Steve Solomon's the guy you need to vote for. He's 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 got the uh, – he's got fresh ideas or, uh, you know – He's he's the right choice for our community. Right, and and uh, my my pitch has been, you know, I can't compete with people who have. I mean, there's there's, there's people running who are experienced uh, politicians. Some have served in the state house. Uh, we've got 
a guy who worked on Obama's economic policy team. We got a guy who was Martin O'Malley's, you know, uh, zoning and planning guy in, in, for the governor. So we have some very experienced people. We have the former mayor of, of uh, the town we live in. Is there any? So I can't compete with their experience, obviously. And, the, uh, you know, we have uh, the former head of the PTA is running. But then there's the other half of people who are teachers, lawyers, our radio guy who have no political experience, who just jumped in because, hey, I, I want to make a difference and I want my views heard and I want to voice change. So I, I've taken that approach, too, of, of, you know, their ideas aren't – they might have more experience, but we can do the job just as well. Just getting some name ID. When they're, when the field is as crowded as yours is, it's yeah. going to be getting name ID and getting, getting, folk, getting in front of folks. Even, you know, honestly – I didn't knock on all 8,000 doors. I got to 8,000 doors. Right. I talked to just as many people by getting to a porch, putting something on a front door knocker, and people would – you'd talk to some people and you'd just leave your information. Yeah. You know, it, you know, you may not have the budget to do a direct mailing campaign to all of the people yeah. in the community, but That's you can – You can, it's it doesn't cost anything to get to somebody's front door. Right. It's just time. Right. I mean, I, I've – those things are cheap. They're, yep. uh, you know, 1,000 for 50 bucks, and I've printed five, five, ten thousand 10,000 of those different – you know, different iterations, different iterations of, of your exactly, of your your of my uh, view. Your rat card. I've got the one just about dogs that I stand in front of Petco and hand out to people. That's awesome. Yeah, and, that's a and, great idea. And that's really gotten me a lot of people um, to, to 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 vote. And and the one I did just for fire and police and rescue, and I, I've gone to every firehouse and police station and met all those people. And hey. Tell everyone you know that I'm the candidate for the fireman, you know, and a lot have. I, I hope we've and, done in politically. We've we've done some uh, as as a libertarian and some other campaigns I've been a part of. Uh, Indie Pride, so the 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 that organization, the the, the gay and bisexual trans, transgender organization, uh, they really didn't have a political home or political ally in until the last couple of years. But we would show up every year huh. with, uh, okay. ad- advocating for individual freedom and, per- you know, right. you know, as as libertarians, that was something we talked about. Uh, and our candidates would have specific materials that explain that we were, you know, we were their political home, uh, and you know, it, a, an issue oriented. Uh, a uh, card that speaks directly to somebody if they're right. they're interested in police and fire is is a great idea, yeah. especially the Petco thing. That's that's actually brilliant. I, I thought because a lot of people, not that they're, you know, oh he's a dog guy, I'll vote for him. But uh, it, it's it's really a, an issue that that you know if you're a dog person and or, and and you can really identify with other dog people and, and it's uh, it, 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 I think it really has has worked well for me and 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 has. Well, uh, maybe hopefully gotten me a lot of votes. I don't. I don't know. I've, I've given out. I don't know six, seven hundred cards at Petco uh, over a few weekends. Podcasting. Po- podcasting is very specialized, and and running for office is specialized too. If you can identify right. twenty thousand people that are going to, you know, some people are going to vote for you just because hey, you know, Steve Solomon sounds like an all right name. So right. you got a baseline vote exactly. there. Exactly. And think, then if you yeah. identify more people that you know through these specific issues that are going to build a coalition to get you there, you only have to finish in the top four. Exactly. That's the thing. And 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 the I mentioned before when when only six ran for four spots. Now it's thirty three. It's going to be so. Splintered, it's going to be very diluted. Hopefully, um, I, I think the the traditional candidates are more worried about that than our s- non traditional candidates. You know, I, I think a lot of people, obviously, if you're a teacher, or a lawyer, or a radio guy, you're bringing in 
new voters who may not have voted before, but they're coming in just because of you. But the traditional candidates who have this core group of people who vote, who are very informed and and, and study who they're going to vote for, it's going to splinter that amongst the uh, the Obama policy guy and the uh, governor's assistant guy and the former mayor. Hopefully, it splinters those out rather than you know. I, I don't think I'm uh, I'm fighting against uh, lawyer Bill Conway who's running and, and teacher Chris Wilhelm for those votes of those very dedicated voters because. Uh, I, I mean, I went to a couple of things uh, like, you know, voter education classes and, and campaign classes uh, that were free. I was like, OK, I'll go. And, and, they, and they're like, well, you know, you have to target people who I, I don't know if you get the voter data. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the voter data is available of everyone who, you know, their address and if they voted, when, uh, how many times, you know. So some people vote every election. You got to target them, try to sway their vote. And there's people who are registered but have never voted. So maybe don't waste your time on that. But uh, I've tried to appeal to the people who voted at least a couple of times in the last 12 years because ours goes back till 2006, the data that we got. And I'm like, well, you know, they, they, they sometimes they voted. They may not vote every time, but if they maybe if they find somebody they, they like, they'll vote. So I knock on those doors too because there's, there's a million people in this county. I'll never get to more than – you know, two percent of them. It's impossible to 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 reach more than a few thousand people. It's very difficult. Uh, you can't knock on four hundred thousand doors. No one can. So that's the that's the approach I've taken is try to try to find people who might vote, and if they like me and I'm a regular Joe kind of candidate, maybe they'll vote for me. Because I don't know if I can sway the guy who is a very dedicated voter who is going to vote for someone with political experience. That's their number one quality or something like that. I don't think I could sway that voter. So that's how I've felt about trying to campaigning and how to reach voters. I don't know if it's been different for you. Well, I haven't won an election yet, so it's, well, I, can't, I can't guarantee anything. Yeah. But the uh, you know the, we have won elections as libertarians in our area. We're like the hotbed for for doing this, and I think we're probably going to have two or three wins in our county. Okay. Uh, so it's not it's not hopeless. I don't want to say that that's, that doesn't work because we hell, there's five elected libertarians within 15 miles of my house. So we actually are a legitimate party uh, over there. Uh, but you know, yes, you can spend a lot of time and effort, and it, it all depends upon how sophisticated you want to get. Uh, but the average campaign for at the level I'm running or even the state representative level, you're attending fairs, parades, festivals, going to candidate forum nights. You're using your social media platform, and then you're walking as much as you can. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you got your yard signs. I, of course, we're more suburban. So, you you know, there's guys that build four-by-eight plywood signs and, and put their, their, their corrugated yard signs out in our area. Right. There's a lot of row houses out here. I don't know how much yard signs make a difference in, in, in this area in Montgomery I, County. I know. I've, I've, that's always something I did. I, I printed them just to have them. I printed up 20 because I was like, I'm not going to spend money on a 1,000 signs. You know, they were so super cheap once you get volume. But do they make a difference? I always thought – I mean, they're, they're, I've seen yard signs for – I mean, we have 100 candidates running for various offices in this county, uh, statewide or countywide. Or, I've seen – Almost all of them have signs. Does that sway anyone to vote for you? Does it even ever get anyone to look you up? That's what I've always wondered. Because, like, you know, there's there's a, the, the the teacher, this guy Chris Wilhelm, who's a teacher who's running for council. He teaches in in Wheaton near where I live. So all his students and all their families they have his sign, and he must have 
a hundred signs in a three mile radius. I'm like, does that help? It helps. It, it helps know. with that name ID that we talked about. Yeah, I so, guess it does. So if you that. can, you know, if you've got a network that you can try to get them out through, it it helps. And you, in this race, you may not need much. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, it helps put people on the map and separate you out a little bit where they, you may not know from one to the next. It also helps, you know, once you have your core core supporters. It gives them a little bit of pride. Where hey, yeah, I got Solly sign in my yard, man. Yeah. I I support him, and I want to show my neighbors. And then they, you know, they, there's a little bit of a respect or a you know under general awareness that comes from those. So is it going to make a break? You know, you're not going to win a race just on yard signs, right? But if you have them, it kind of shows a little bit of legitimacy and a little bit uh, you're a step above some of the you know the next guy down the line that's not doing really anything, right? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it does because at least it, it you remember the name and because you see it all the time and. And maybe someone who's voting, who's just there to vote for the governor and doesn't even know, oh, I'll pick a couple of council names that are nice. You know, oh, Steve Solomon, that's a nice name. Oh, this guy, I saw his yard sign. I'll, I'll vote for him. I guess it does get you votes that way, I, I suppose. Cause... So, and honestly, working outside that polling place, I talked about that earlier. I've got data that shows if, you know, the polling places I worked outside of, I was worth 10 to 15 percent by just having a poll worker and saying, hey, I'm Jeremiah. I'm going to be on your ballot in there. And I want your vote, and I'm I want to get elected and leave you alone. That's the, right. you know that's the, that's the message. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Um, th- those are the little things, and you know, obviously, you know, trying to recruit poll workers isn't easy. But in Indiana, we can get uh, you get a high school kid to stand out there. They get the day out of school for volunteering for oh, you. Oh wow! Okay. So they, you get a free uh, free worker. Huh? Yeah, I guess I guess voting day, I'll I'll stand out there and and try to uh, outside the cone and try to show people because I I I I, I got to imagine that it's. It's still most voters don't know who their council members are. Uh, most people don't, certainly. I've, I've learned that knocking on doors and meeting people who are not in the know. I'd say even here, talking to the people at the station, telling them about it, you know, they've lived here in this county their whole life. They don't know anything about the council, what they do, any of the council members. It, it And, and it, it's staggering how many people uh, don't know – about this part, you know, a lot of people can't name the senator or congressman, so that's that's that's, uh, you know, you never rely on the general public for uh, for everything, but most people can't and know who at least one of their senators or congressmen or governor is, uh, but don't know who their councilman is and 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 don't know anything about what they do and 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 that's who I've tried to appeal to, knocking on doors, uh, you know, someone who's voted maybe never in a primary. Hey, this is what we do. It's it's important, and and I've seen you vote before and. You should come out and vote again because uh, it, it really makes a difference. And in, in this race, this isn't the electoral college like the count of the country. Every vote counts in any, every local race. It really does. And 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 you know, we I don't know if you remember, we saw in Virginia the, the state house had the coin flip over uh, over because uh, they had the exact same amount of votes. It's incredible, so, isn't it? It was. It was like eleven thousand one hundred thirty to eleven thousand one hundred thirty, and uh, they had one disputed ballot that had one thing xed out and. Because of that, they've done a whole ballot reform change. They're going to change how they have the ballot. So instead of Xing a box, you fill in an oval like a SAT Scantron kind of thing. <laughs> so it's it, it really, every vote counts, and, and I'm sure in in a in, in a race like yours, it it, it where the, it's smaller numbers that win. It sure does count too. Every vote counts. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh... Like I said, I think it's probably going to take a few thousand, you know, six or seven thousand votes is probably going to be enough to to win our race. Yeah, uh, and you can that's achievable. No matter no matter who you are, definitely you can, you, you can get there. 
And uh, and 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 I talked to uh, in in our district here, we're State District 19, and there's 80,000 people that live in this district and 47,000 Democrats. And uh, you know, I talked to the guy who was running. He's like, I hope to knock on on half the doors of voters. You know, I'll try to knock on over 20,000 doors. You know, he's out every night. He, you know, he says he's, every night now that it's light out till pretty late, he feels comfortable knocking from like five to seven thirty every night. I'm like, God love you. That's, you get your uh, steps in. We had a guy. You. We had a guy that had to have a knee replacement after he ran for yeah. state representative. It's he just. It's uh, like I, I'm. I'm. I don't work out ever. Uh, I like to eat and watch TV. That's. Uh, <laughs> I, I always say like you know walking my dogs is the only workout I ever get, and that's not much. Uh, when I first started and started walking, I mean, I realized how bad shape I was in because I walked for like an hour. I'm like, oh, my feet hurt, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm in bad shape. So I got like a little uh, step counter for like 20 bucks on Amazon. I'm like, how far am I walking? So, and after a, two, three weekends, I started to actually feel a little better and could walk farther. It was very bad, like how bad shape I was in. I've, that a little bit of walking actually improved my shape. It was I've, terrible. I've dropped about fifty pounds in the last six months, thank God, because I got I got I got to do some walking, and it's gonna. I, it would have, you know, working walking in late summer in Indiana probably would have kicked my ass. Yeah, yeah, but that that's been one of the the good parts too. So, man, we've been talking forever. Here. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, but uh, I guess we should wrap up. Uh, I, I want to thank Jeremiah Morell for this. This has been very fun, and uh, uh, thank you for coming, man. All right, yeah. Follow us, uh, bosshogerliberty dot com. Yeah, bosshogerliberty. I'll uh, when I when I tweet out the link here of this, and 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 I'll I'll put that on there. And uh, absolutely, thank you very much. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.